It's good to have you guys here. Uh, I'm going to share with you guys my testimony tonight, kind of how I got where I am and what Jesus has done in my life. But before we get into it, one of the things I want to do, and if you have a phone or if you're a note taker or whatever, these are three Bible verses that I just want to share with you guys. Um, so, And I would just maybe write down what the verse is, and you can look at the whole big deal later. So the first one is Ephesians 1.11. So these are just verses that apply to my life, and then I'll get into the story, okay? The first one is Ephesians 1.11, and it says this, Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Who works all things. Brock, not a trick question. Is all things good things or bad things? Exactly. Yes. It's both. It is America. <laughs> it is it's it's both. So look at this. And also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to God's purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. God is involved in all things, good and bad. And we can unpack that later, but God is involved in all things, okay? Good and bad. And that's huge in my life. The next one is Psalm 139, verses 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day, darkness and light are alike to you. Um, Again, God is intimately involved and totally in control at even the darkest points in your life, okay? God is intimately involved. God is in total control, even in the darkest moments of your life. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. So even the good stuff is getting overtaken in this guy's life. And sometimes life is just dark, guys. So just look for the light. But sometimes there is no light for you to look for, okay? Sometimes in life there is no light for you to look for. There is no silver lining. So you have to look for the God who is above that darkness, Does that make sense? Sometimes in life, you're not going to be able to find light in the darkness. So you've got to look for the God who's above that darkness. And that's what was happening to me. And the last one, Genesis 50, 20. And there are more to come, but that's later. Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50, 20. It's the same verb and everything. You meant it for evil. This thing that was going to happen was evil, but God took this evil thing and didn't cancel it out, didn't erase it. He took this evil thing and used it and made it for good. Uh, I was a kid just like you, which would make sense. Uh, I was a really good church kid. My mom was, uh, my mom sang in the choir at our church and was over VBS. She planned all that. My dad was a deacon. Um, I was a really good church kid. Like, I just speak church kid. But, and, and, and publicly, I was a really good church kid, but privately, I was not. I was not doing Christian things. And then when I was 22 years old, I came face to face with Jesus Christ. And he saved me and he changed my life. Okay? So that's what happened to me. 
Let's pray. Just kidding. That's not it. Um, all right, here we go. So uh, what, what if, how, how mad would you be if I was like, all right, let's wrap it up. Glad. Thanks for hearing my testimony. All right. I was born in Calhoun. Like many children, I was born. Uh, I was born in Calhoun, um, 30 minutes up the road from here, if you've ever been there. Um, lived on McDaniel Station Road, which is very close to the Buckies. okay? If you guys have been around there. McDaniel. So I grew up close to there. There was no Buckies, of course. Um, I went to Bellwood Elementary School. I went to Ashworth Middle School, which is connected to Gordon Central High School, basically. Okay? Um, fun story. When I was three, my parents thought I had been kidnapped. Okay? So they came into my bedroom, and mom, like, like Celia, could not find me. I was not in the bed where I was supposed to be. And so Celia goes into like lockdown mode and cannot find me, is going to get my dad, and they're looking all around the house. And they can't find me. And they literally think I've been kidnapped. And the way they tell it, like they sat at the foot of my bed, like crying about, like they had the home phone. You remember those things? They had the home phone about to call 911 because their kid had been kidnapped. And they heard me snoring because I had rolled off the side of the bed and pinned myself between the wall and the bed. And so they couldn't find me. Like it was insane. So fun fact about that. Uh, I grew up at Belmont Baptist Church which if you're in Calhoun, it's right across the street from the Walmart. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've got the Walmart, and then you have the Ryan. It used to be a Ryan's, actually, but now it's some very sketchy, like, Asian food place. Right across the street from there is Belmont Baptist Church. Um, Kristen's family still goes there. My grandma still, shout out to Juanita, still goes there. Um, I met Kristen, and we'll talk about this when we get into dating, but I met Kristen at a Belmont summer church camp, okay, in high school. I was a junior, she was a freshman, it was what it was. So summer camp, coming up, never know, right? Um, I was in church every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, right? Amen? I was in church every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, all my life. Some of the older people may remember this thing's called RAs and GAs. I did RAs. Yep. I was, in, I was an RA. Paul was an RA. A royal ambassador. It was so weird. Um, it was great. I mean, it was great. I loved it. But So I was in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. Now, let me pause and say, at 32 now, I am so thankful for that, okay? Now, hear me for a second. You guys need to do this, okay? And I know it'll be super weird and your mom will cry and whatever, but like, just hang on. You guys really need to thank your parents at some point as you get older. Thank your parents that they brought you to church as often as they did, or that they bring you to church, or that they make you come to church as often as they do. Thank your parents that they make you come here when there's 50 other places you'd rather be, okay? Because being in church, I wrote it in bold, being in church regularly is a grace that not everybody gets, okay? If they got it, they'd be here. Being in church regularly is a grace from the hand of God that not everybody gets. It is a gift from God. He has chosen in his goodness to bring you here twice a week, okay? Some of you more. He has chosen in his goodness to bring you here. You're not here because your parents brought you. You're not here because you can drive now. You're not here because you got invited. Those things are factors, but ultimately, you're here because God wanted you here. If he didn't want you here, you wouldn't be here. He's God. 
He's bringing you here. And as you get older, I hope you'll be thankful for that. And more on that in a little bit in my story, because I was not thankful for that. Uh, Church was another reason I had to get up early. Disgusting. I hated it. I had zero desire to do that. I had to get up early for school. So like, come on, mom. Like, what are we doing here? I remember one Sunday morning. I wonder if you guys have experienced this before. One Sunday morning, I was in like first grade, and I got up Sunday morning, got up early, and no one else was awake yet, though. And so I look over at the clock, and like everyone should have been awake getting ready for church, but nobody was. Like mom should have been blasting her Jesus music while she was getting ready. Do any of your moms do that on Sundays? Like blast Jesus music. For me, it was Stephen Curtis Chapman and Reba McIntyre. I don't know, but that was like that. Like all, all every Sunday, and like, but like Reba was not coming through the bedroom, and so I'm thinking, what is happening? And so I thought, like, could it be? And so I like tiptoe over to my parents' bedroom because you don't want to wake them up because then if you wake them up, what happens? You have to go. And so I was like, all right. And so I peek in the door, and Mom's laying there, and she's like, man, I'm just so tired. I guess we're just not going to go today. And I was like, I could have died right there. And I was like, yes! Like, oh my gosh. Like, I celebrated in the streets that I did not have to go to church on a Sunday morning that one time. I don't even know what I did. With, I was in first grade, so it could have been that important, like that timely. But like, I hated going to church and getting up and going. I hated it. I hated being in church. The songs made no sense to me, and I didn't really care because I wasn't like really listening to them anyway. And the sermons, man, let's talk for a minute. The sermons were this time where I wonder if any of you can, you know, the sermons were this time where you were like almost supposed to check out. Does that make sense? Like you were just kind of, it was just time for you to kind of start zoning out, like not really paying attention. I zoned out. I started thinking about girls or video games or movies or video games like way more or video games like way more important things and and that's the sad thing about church sometimes okay this is like the sermon this is supposed to be the most helpful most life-changing part of the whole service and it's the part where everyone starts looking at their watch right it's, it's, and we've talked about spiritual warfare before and we've talked about it a long time ago and I said this I'm gonna say it again Spiritual warfare for you guys, listen, spiritual warfare for you guys is not demon possession, okay? Spiritual warfare for you guys is boredom. It's tuning out instead of actively listening and trying to learn. Spiritual battles are won and lost in these chairs and in those pews during a sermon or a Sunday school lesson when you choose to listen and try or to tune out. That's spiritual warfare for you and for me. We don't love hearing about the Bible anymore. And some of that, unfortunately, is because a lot of preachers are just really bad. That's not your fault. Sometimes it's because some preachers, they're just trash, like they're not good. Like it is what it is. And that is so sad. And listen, you guys are, like college is gonna be here and you're gonna be picking your places to go. And I'm telling you as you get older, listen to me, Go to a church where the preaching makes your heart beat faster, okay? Go to a church where the preaching of God's word makes your heart beat faster. We have a girl in our college ministry. Alexis is a junior at Shorter, and she has lymphoma. She's like 20, 
and she has lymphoma, which is essentially a form of cancer, and she can't wait to come to PVN College this year because she knows that we dig deep into God's word, and she needs it right now. Does that make sense? Like, she needs it. Go to a church when you get older. Go to a church where the preaching is like that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Go to a church where, listen, and I know it's like I'm in seventh grade, like chill out, Ryan, but just come on. Go to a church where if you got cancer, you would want to hear the sermon that Sunday. Do you understand what I mean? Go to a church where if you got cancer, you would want to be there on Sunday morning because you know you needed it. Go where the preaching is wonderful and where you love to hear about the Bible. So, boring preaching, music that I don't understand, and I have to get up early? I don't think so, right? Like, this is not happening. So, I need you to understand in all my childhood, I thought church was so boring. And I would have 100% gone to hell if I had died. Like, if I had died in a car accident or whatever as a student, I would have gone, I would be in hell right now. Not because, I, not because I was bored at church. So if you think church was boring, like, but, like, but not because I thought church was boring. That was a symptom, okay? That was a symptom, but the sickness, the problem wasn't that I didn't care about church. Listen, the problem wasn't that I didn't care about church. It's that I didn't care about God. Do you see the difference? The problem wasn't that I didn't care about church. It was that I didn't care about God, and that resulted in me not caring about anything spiritual. And because of that, I was totally lost in my sins. Psalm 14 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's not one of those, Brad. We're okay. Psalm 14 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. God doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. That's what the fool says according to the Bible. Romans 5 says, we are enemies of God if we don't trust in him. We're enemies of God if we don't trust in him. We, you and me, We are not neutral. You know what that means? Neutral means I'm not on his team or that team. We are not neutral. It doesn't exist. If you are not a Christian, according to Romans 5, you are actively in your chair against God. You are fighting him. Satan is not God's only enemy. It's you and me if we are not in Christ Satan is not God's only enemy. You are God's enemy. I am God's enemy if we are not in Christ, which makes the fact that he died for us so much more powerful, so much better, so much more incredible. We are actively against him. And he's in control, Ephesians 1.11, he's in control of everything in our lives. And instead of using that power, like you hate me and I'm in control of your whole life, doesn't look good for you, right? But instead of using that power to destroy us, he uses the events of our lives to draw us in, to draw us closer to him. Look at, it's on the board now, John 6.44. John 6.44 says this. Look at this. No one, this is Jesus speaking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him 
in. I cared nothing for God. I didn't even know it at the time, but I was actively against him. And yet God's using my life, the events in my life not to push his enemy away, but to draw me into him. When I was probably 12, our church had a guest speaker one Sunday. Okay, It was actually a Sunday evening. And I don't remember what the guy spoke about. I don't know if you can relate. I have no idea what he talked about. But at the end, during the invitation, I kind of felt like I needed to go up there. Okay, I felt that, like that weird, like I needed to go up there. And I walked the aisle and I told the preacher, I need to get saved. The preacher gave me a prayer to repeat after him. And I repeated it. And then the pastor told the congregation that I was saved. When we went home that afternoon, my dad put his hand, you know how sometimes dads, it's like, whoa, dad, what's going on? Like my dad put his hands on my shoulders and he told me, he said, you just made the best decision of your life. And I distinctly remember thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I have no clue what, what is going on. I got baptized a couple months later, and nothing changed for me. Nothing changed in my life. I was still a huge jerk to my parents. Like, we're, like I was great in public. Like, we're great in public. But I was a huge jerk to my parents. I was so selfish, so mean to my brother and sister. Fun fact about me, my brother and sister are perfect, which is great. Like, my brother and sister, Russell and Delana, are perfect all growing up. And my cousins were missionaries in the Middle East, in Yemen. So you've got my perfect brother and sister who are, like, tucking in their shirts and, like, putting the dishes away or whatever... My three cousins are missionaries in the Middle East, and then your boy just like hanging out, like saying hey to everybody. I never read my Bible. I had like 30, I'm Baptist, so I have like 12 Bibles with my name in the corner, right? Like a whole shelf. And I loved TV and girls more than anything. Like I was not, I was not a Christian, period. I was a good church kid. Good, I mean, I was a good kid. Like, I answered questions. I was one of the first people to speak up in, in small groups and stuff, but I was not a Christian. And there's way more to it, but that was my life through high school, okay? And then I get into college. And uh, I, oh, well, let me back up. I made that one invitation decision to become a Christian, and I knew it didn't do anything. So I thought that all I had to do was make the decision again and again and again and again. Think about how many times you see students walk the aisle at PVN, how rare that is. I walk the aisle seven times at Belmont to get saved. Like, oh, here comes, like, load up for Ryan again. Like, seven times. I prayed the sinner's prayer with my dad, like, at home on the bed or whatever, at least ten times that I can remember. Over and over. And oh, did it take? Did it take? Did it take? Am I, am I safe? Am I going to hell? Am I good? Am I safe? And, and people like, like the staff at the church didn't know what to do with me because they were like, he prayed the prayer. Like, what do, you, what, what do you want us to do now? Like, I was terrified of going to hell, but I wasn't scared enough to change my ways. I was terrified of the idea of hell, but I wasn't scared enough or, or motivated enough to change anything about my behavior. And that's the thing, guys. You can't judge a sermon by what happens during it. You can judge it by what happens after. Does that make sense? You can't, man, Ryan's really getting into it. Yeah, 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 but, but does your heart change after? One of my favorite speakers is a guy named Francis Chan, and he had this youth rally, and all these people came forward. It was like Collide, all, like in droves, like sheep. Like they all came forward, and they all did their thing. And one of his interns was like, man, that was so awesome. 
I wonder how many of these kids really became Christians. And Francis goes, we'll know in a year. We'll know in a year. Because, because what happens after it all dies down, right? Is there really a heart change? My heart had not changed. I didn't love Jesus. I loved girls, and I loved TV. And you know there's that stereotype that like girls envision their wedding when they're in like first grade or whatever, like they've pictured their wedding forever and they're playing it or whatever. Like that was me. Like I I like was obsessed with like finding the girl and getting married. Obsessed with it. My first this is crazy. My first girl whatever you girlfriend, whatever you call it, was in like fifth grade. Okay. Her name was Cassidy Taylor. Okay? Her name was Cassidy Taylor, and we were boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and we we're in English class. Okay? I have no idea where the teacher was during the story, but we were in English class, and Cassidy and I were boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And this other girl named Lacey Woodward, uh-oh, comes up to me, and she's like, I know you're uh, Cassidy's boyfriend, but I want you to be my boyfriend instead. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, she was like well, you have to break up with Cassidy. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, don't worry, I'll do it for you. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. And so Lacey walks to the other end, of, like, like it was yesterday. Like Lacey walks over to the other end of the class and like drops the bomb on Cassidy. And it's like, hey, Ryan's my boyfriend now, not yours. And Cassidy Taylor in my fifth grade English class loses her mind, like, like red-faced, like screaming, like banging on the desk or whatever. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, she's gonna kill, like she's gonna murder me. And I was like, dating is wild, man. This is crazy. Um, so that was my first girlfriend. That was the first love and loss, right? Um, but I had to have, I had to have a girlfriend. Like I had, if I didn't have a girlfriend, I was miserable. If I didn't have a girlfriend, something was, like if I wasn't dating somebody, like something was wrong with me. Or like I was missing something in my life. And my sinful heart was so focused on me that girls just became this thing that made me happy. That was the whole point. Girls became this thing that made me happy. And I took that into college and I was a nice guy, but I didn't worship God at all in my relationships. And like the nice guy thing was enough to get girls to relax around me and kind of lower their guard down and trust me. And then I took advantage of that. And I used, you know, ladies, you need to listen to me. Matt Chandler talks about the difference between dating a church boy and a man of God. And those are two totally different things. And that's what I was. I was, not, I was the biggest fake on the planet. I was an enemy of God living in the church. So lost in my sins. Um, so lost in my sins as a junior in college at Georgia Southern. Go Eagles, Right? As a junior in college, selfish, sinful me, for the first time, I fell in love. And I hadn't dated anybody in college for longer than two months. And Amanda and I dated for two and a half years. And watch out for this in college. Because when you date someone in college, you automatically think marriage. Because our lives are built around our plans and not God's. And so we think, here comes college, and then comes job and marriage, like all rolled into one. So you got to meet them in college, or else, you know what I'm saying? Like, so watch out for that. College dating doesn't mean you'll marry that person, and that's okay. Does that make sense? College dating doesn't mean you're going to marry that person, and that's okay. It might, but it might not, and that's okay. But we were going to get married. She had an incredible personality. She was attractive. We got along great. I was so happy. 
my whole life, I had wanted to get married. That influenced everything I did. That was the determinant of my life. That was the basis for everything. If I had a terrible day, but things were great with my girlfriend, I had a great day. I'm killing it. If I, on the reverse, if I got an A on all my tests, had a great practice, found $20 on the ground, but my girlfriend was mad at me, it's a horrible day, right? Question to ask yourself. What is it in your life that determines how good your day is? What is it in your life that determines how good your day is? That is your God. Does that make sense? What is it in your life that if it's not going well, it's over for you? That's your God. Okay? That's what you really worship. Okay? And marriage and dating was mine. And everything was great with Amanda. The only problem was she was of a different religion than I was. And I didn't care. I wasn't a Christian, so did it really matter? But then she started going basically to a small group at her place of worship, and she started learning about things that I knew, Christian or not Christian, were not true, completely untrue. And the big thing for me was kids, because I thought if we get married and we have children, I can't teach my children to believe something that I don't believe. And so at 22 years old, I'm having this massive crisis. Now pause. Here's where me, back up, here's where me being drugged to church my whole life, which I hated, hated it, this is where it was so important. I was not a Christian. I was not a Christian. Even though I did not appreciate it or like it at the time, as a kid, I was being taught a foundation that was being built around my life. Does that make sense? Every Sunday, every Wednesday, little pieces, little bricks were being built in a wall around my life. Truths were planted in my brain and in my heart week after week, and I didn't even know it was happening. In fact, I was against it happening. I didn't want it to happen. But it prepared me in college to see that this girl who I loved was being fed lies from a different religion. God was using my parents and my home church in childhood to protect me when I was in college. And I'm still not a Christian yet. I'm his enemy. I was his, now follow this, I was his enemy and he took care of me. That's not what you do for your enemies. I was his enemy. I hated going to church and he took care of me. He had been keeping me, the one who helped lift him up on the cross. He had been keeping me safe. I hated him, and he gave me loving parents. I was bored with him, and instead of saying, you know what, if you're bored, then forget it. No, he made sure I was in church. He was loving me when I couldn't, when I couldn't do this for myself. He was playing the long game with me. And he very well, listen to me, he very well could be doing that with you too. Which is part of why I really don't get stressed out that, well, Ryan, we haven't had a lot of youth get saved in the past couple of years. Bro, I didn't get saved till I was 22. I don't have access to God's calendar. I just have access to his word. So I'm going to preach the Bible faithfully. And these volunteers, this bunch of losers, these volunteers are going to love you guys like super intensely. Yeah, it's gone. They're going to love you guys. And then we're going to get out of the way and let God do his thing. 
He was doing a deep work in my heart, and I was just beginning to see it. Amanda and I got into our first argument about religion in October of 2012. We broke up in December of 2012, just after graduating. And I have never been in, and I don't even mean this like silly or what, like I've never been in a worse pain in my entire life. I have no idea how to explain to you how empty, how alone, everywhere I looked, I was just in pain. And now I have to find a job in the middle of the worst year of my life. And the worst year of my life was the year that God was working in my heart. The worst year of my Now listen to me. The worst year of my life. What's the worst year of your life so far? The worst year of my life was the year that God was doing the deepest work in my heart. Don't think that suffering means he has abandoned you. Don't think that suffering means he has abandoned you. God is closer than ever when life is hard. The surgeon has to cut into your heart to operate, and that hurts. So what's, maybe what's going on in this hard year of your life is that the surgeon is cutting into work. I would not wish those two years of my life on anybody, and those two years were the years that God was completely changing me. I was devastated. My whole life I was going to get married. That's what would make me complete. That's what every movie and song is about. Side note, that was the same year that Red by Taylor Swift came out. It was like shoving a knife in. I love Taylor Swift. But that was like shoving a knife in my ear. Because I was like, I can't listen to any of these songs anymore. Because it just makes me like so sad. That's what every movie was about. Every song was about. Every Disney movie ends with them getting married. And I, and I lose all of that. I worshiped marriage. Listen, so when we broke up, I didn't just lose a relationship. My God died. Do you understand that? Marriage was it for me. And to lose that, when your God dies, it feels like the floor has been pulled out from under you. Just your soul is in free fall, and it's horrible. I was desperately reaching to find something to hold on to, but by God's grace, all those years of being a church kid... We're finally about to pay off. Back at my parents' house, I was job hunting, and I was just so heartbroken one night that I got on my knees and I prayed, and listen, church kids, I meant it. For the first time in 22 years of my life, I actually needed God. Let's be, come on, do you need him? Do you need him? I finally, for the first time in my life, realized that I needed, because I was heartbroken. I was burning alive. I needed him. And I began to feel this pull, John 6, 44. I began to feel this pull towards my Bible. There was no magical voice or like violins or an angel. or It was nothing like that. It was this pull in my soul to the Bible. No one can come to me unless the Father, what? Draws him. This pulling began to happen in my Bible. I had, but, but like, I, had no, I didn't care anything about Christianity before. I had no study Bible. I had no books. Can you imagine? I had none. I had no books about Jesus at all. No commentaries. I only had, I only had, and I still do, ready for it? My NIV Adventure Bible. There are pictures in here. That's what I had. My NIV Adventure Bible. Bible, okay? Um, this, listen, this was my medicine. This was my medicine. For the next several months of 2013, 
I poured over this thing, because not because I'm some good student, but because every time I looked up from it, I just felt more pain again. Like the breakup and the agony of it was still there. So I literally hid in this book because the rest of the world felt like I was, I was, I was, I was in chemotherapy. Like I was just in pain all the time. So I hid in my Bible, and I started in the book of John because I remember my old Bible teacher in high school, Mr. Listen, told me it was a good place to start. And remember, this was, God was protecting me through this little memory of a high school Bible teacher. I'm trying to get him to come to collide. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we're going to find out. And for the first time in my life, I began to get to know the God who was there. It, I, I, didn't, I didn't give a rip about this. So boring. A book written? Okay, cool. Like, no, I'm never going to read this thing. But I was finally in so much pain that this was the only thing that made it stop. This was February of 2013, and the Passion Conference was in town. High school seniors, the Passion Conference was in town. And my little brother, Russell, has been a Christian longer than me. And he would stream the Passion Conference on his laptop in the basement. And I'm listening to this guy speak one night called Francis Chan, and I'm like, man, he's not boring. This is amazing. Like, it was so cool. And I had Francis Chan's book, Crazy, bless you, Crazy Love, just sitting on my shelf. How did I have this book? Two years before that in college, my friend Bill Muse was witnessing to me. Like, think about it. We're going to go out there and evangelize the law. No, I was one of those people, and I didn't even know that's what he was doing. My friend Bill witnessed to me, I was kind of in one ear and out the other, he gave me this book and it was sitting on my shelf and I was like, wow, Francis Chan, I have this book. So what do I do? I started reading it and pause. The reason I always recommend books to you guys is because God used a book to change my life. And for some of you guys, I just don't even know which one it is that's going to be sitting on the shelf that one day you're in and it just happens. So I didn't have a job yet. I was unemployed. Awesome. And, the Lord, and not even, kind of a joke, but not even really, the Lord used that season of unemployment because I could stay up as late as I wanted to reading my Bible and reading this book. Like, the, like I had the American dream, and the Lord was like, no, 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 no. I have this for you instead. You're not going to get a job yet. You're gonna, it's going to be kind of weird for a minute, but you're going to be able to stay up as late as you want. And I would read a chapter of Crazy Love and an hour of my Bible every night. It's just what I would do. Chapter of Crazy Love, hour of the Bible. And then in the middle of the book, sometime in February or March of 2013, one night around 11 p.m. or so, it just went bang. And in an instant, Jesus changed from someone who I learned about to someone who I could see. Think about the difference between learning about someone in history class versus meeting them. Think about the difference that would be. Not, not, not physically seeing, nothing. He didn't like sit at the foot of the bed or something, whatever. Like, he, but in an instant, he wasn't a subject I learned about anymore. He became real to me. And once I saw him in my, in my heart, once I saw him, I couldn't look away. My heart could not, I couldn't switch it off. Like, well, you know, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you see him, I couldn't, it, it changed my whole outlook. The next, and I told you guys this at beach camp, shout out to beach camp. The next day I get up to go, like the next day I get up to go run because I'm insane. 
and I put my iPod in. Do you guys even know what that is? I put my iPod in, and I, and I hit play on, this is, this is Kanye West, this is my yay list, my playlist, my yay list, like that. and I hit play on it, and this was old Kanye, like before he went crazy Kanye, like good Kanye. And I play it, and I'm going for a run, and I'm listening to, and I'm not, this is my story. This isn't me, maybe a little, but like, I'm listening, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe he's talking about girls like this. I can't believe he was talking about this like this. I can't believe he's saying this. And, and it like, like it threw me, and that, that's never happened to me before. And I like watched every, te- I love, my dad's an English teacher. I love stories. I love a good story. I was just watching stuff, man. Just watch, and, and I would turn on whatever show I was watching, and I was like, oh my gosh. And it like bothered me. It was so weird. Now listen to me. It wasn't that all of a sudden I was aware of the rules. I was a church kid, the church kid of church kids. I've always known the rules. It wasn't that the rules had changed. It was that I had changed. Do you see what I mean? And Christianity, I don't want to end it here because it sounds like Christianity is just about not doing the bad stuff and doing the good stuff. That is part of it. But it was the fact that I cared nothing about God beforehand. And then he showed up. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 27. How do you get saved? Let's look. Let's look at what, I don't know, the Bible teaches. Here we go. This is God speaking. How do you become a Christian? Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. I will give you How do I get saved? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. Why would I follow God's laws? He's going to make you want to. He's going to reach down to the core of who you are. There's a switch that is flipped off in your soul that no amount of music, no amount of Ryan's weird jokes, no amount of gaga ball, no amount of of whatever is going to be able to get to that you don't have hands to fix. But God reaches into the bottom of your soul and flips that switch on and brings you to life and takes the heart of stone out and gives you a heart of flesh. What does that mean? A heart that feels... You used to listen to, like, like for me, I would listen to these lyrics and stuff, and, and I just wouldn't feel anything. In fact, I wanted them. And now the heart of flesh, these lyrics, how he talks about women and how he talks about me, they're, they're hitting me differently. Does that make sense? I feel what this is about now, and it, and it matters to me in a way that it didn't. Long story short, we're out of time, but long story short, um, whatever, I'm just going to go until we get kicked out for a minute. So, so uh, meanwhile, Amanda and I still can't figure it out. We don't know what's going on. And she'll ask me all these questions about my religion, and I don't know the answer to them. What do you think about purgatory? What do you think about the afterlife? Why do you think this? Why do you think this? And I couldn't answer any of the questions. My youth pastor couldn't answer them. My youth pastor couldn't answer them. My parents couldn't answer them. And so I start going to the almighty Google, right? And I start searching these answers, and I bump into these, these teachers named John Piper and Tim Keller and Matt Chandler and John MacArthur. And these guys just opened up God's word for me, and I started learning the Bible. And I would share what I was learning with my friends and my family. They'd be like, wow, I've never heard that before. And, I'd be, and I was like, huh, I like learning about the Bible and telling other people about the Bible. I think that's ministry. Maybe I should go into ministry. 
And like this is why we have sermon series on apologetic stuff, on slavery and science, and we go through books of the Bible, because I never got that as a kid, and it cost me a lot of years. And I want you guys to hear these things now so that you have answers that I didn't have growing up. I worked at a Christian financial planning firm, which is about as exciting as it sounds, and I was so bad at my job. I gave my boss a Christmas present. She gave it back. True story. Talk about a confidence killer. I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to fire me like any. Like, you know how you kind of separate yourself from a pet before you have to shoot it or whatever? Like, I thought that's what she was doing to me. Not that that's what everyone does. I don't know. But please don't let that be the takeaway that you have from this whole night. Like, Ryan's some weird. We've never done that to a pet, but like, I felt like that's what she was going to do with me. I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to like slip me a pill or what, and just like be done with me. Like, it's going to be over. So I was like, dad, I got to get out of here. And so I left Ron Blue and Company, which I loved. I left, well, they were great. Boss was tough. But I left Ron Blue and I moved. My parents are teachers. My mom teaches special education. My dad is a high school uh, English teacher and basketball coach. And my parents had just gotten, they were in Atlanta and they had, this is how God works. And while I was at Ron Blue, they moved out of Atlanta and got jobs at Pepperell High School here in Rome. My mom was at Pepperell Elementary, my dad was at Pepperell High, and um, they lived over here in Maplewood by the fairgrounds. And I left Ron Blue, and I was like, hey, Dad, I can't really afford to live here anymore, so can I? And so I moved back in with them to like, figure out next steps. Well, they happened to be going to a church called PVN. Bob and Mac had talked on a Tuesday about we should do an internship for the youth group. Four days later, excuse me, five days later on Sunday, my dad goes up to Bob and says, hey, have you guys thought at all about doing an internship? My son just moved back here. And that was nine years ago. And now I'm your youth pastor. Like, this is how the Lord moves things, okay? Um, Amanda and I eventually just had to break contact, uh, and it was awful. It's horrible. Um, one of the reasons that Kristen is so cool is because I can, whoo, sorry, because I can tell her about this stuff, like about ex-girlfriends, like that's great. Can't wait to talk about that with your spouse. Like, but like she listens to me and is patient with me. And like I have scars from that that still are here. Like you guys are gonna go through stuff in your life that like leaves stuff that doesn't get fixed on this side, okay? Which is why you've got to stay involved in church. And the Bible, because you've you got to have it. Because I don't know where you go if you don't have it. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, I was an idiot, couldn't get it figured out. I'm sorry I said idiot. I couldn't figure it out. And Kristen and I dated for a little while, and I ended it with her. Because I just didn't think this was, I, I couldn't, I wasn't ready yet. I couldn't jump in. Uh, she calls me, no, no, no. And then I go to PVM one night for youth ministry. This is why I'm interning. I go, and I just preach a banger. Like, back in the day, I just, I mean, I knew I laid it down. And I was going home, and I was like, man, I need to call Chris and tell. I was like, no, no, don't want to lead her on. Don't want to lead her on. Can't do that. Don't want to lead her on. And my phone buzzes, and it's Kristen. And she's calling me, and she's asking, and she's talking to me or whatever. So she starts pursuing me for a second time. And we start dating again, and I'm like, hey, maybe this is it, blah, 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 blah. And I just had not gotten over this hump in my life yet. I just couldn't do it. And so I end things with Kristen, who is now my wife, for a second time, okay? I end things with her a second time. Like three or four months go by, and Kristen pursues me again. She calls me back again. And at this point, my mom was like, what are you doing, bro? Like, and I was like, no, you're right, you're right. And so, and so I finally had to like turn the page and like focus on her and like share life with her and be honest with her. And she listened. And because... 
Kristen's kind of been through the ringer too, but just with different stuff. Um, and so like we, it just worked. Like it just worked. Um, and it was so cool. And God has been so good. And then we got married four years ago and it was so great. And like that's kind of in a nutshell how I got here. And yeah, and so now I'm talking to you guys and it's 7.38. So that's it. That is... Um, yeah, that's my life uh, up until right now. Cool? So let me pray, and then we'll do announcements, and then we'll hang out and relax. Cool? Let's do it. Lord, thank you so much for the, the, the blessing that you've had on my life, the way you've moved, the people that I've gotten to meet. And Lord, I pray that for these students, most of them, if not all of them, just the best church kids, just good, sweet kids. And Lord, I pray that that wouldn't just be it though, but that they would, that they would know you, that they would see you, they would know who you are clearly. And Lord, I just pray that this year as we get into 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that um, as, as revival comes in, in September, as we get into fields of faith and collide and camp and SLUs and all these different things, that you would be building a foundation in their lives, that you would be planting seeds in their lives that maybe don't grow until they're in college or until they're 22 or until they're 32, but Lord, you uh, have predestined and you are strong and you will save. Thank you so much for all this and thank you so much for the, the TikTok corn video for bringing just joy uh, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. All right, you guys are awesome. Thanks.